Welcome to the Fayetteville Fire Podcast, where we talk all things fire-related, safety tips, and things that are happening in our can-do city. I'm Don Cheetah, Captain Community Risk Reduction of Fayetteville Fire Department, and I'll be your host for today's podcast. Today we're going to be talking about technical rescue and our USAR team, Urban Search and Rescue Team. First, did you know in 2019 that 149 people went to the emergency room for fireworks-related injuries in North Carolina? We're going to talk about that more later in our safety message of the month. So let's get into technical rescue and USAR. Our guests today are Assistant Chief Vince Lewis and Battalion Chief Robert Bob Bowers of the Fayetteville Fire Department. They're both part of our urban search rescue team. Welcome, gentlemen. Good to be here. So we're talking on technical rescue and urban search and rescue, two different animals, correct? Sort of. Sort of and kind of? Sort of, kind of. They're, they're kind of married indirectly. They have the same disciplines, but uh, we can get called to do just about anything USAR-wise. USAR is more mutual aid. Technical rescue is more what we do in the city. Okay. We do have USAR deployments in the city, hurricanes, but uh, usually as a task force, we're deployed outside of Cumberland County. Okay, and you you say task force. We had 11 back in 2004. That's when the whole USAR system started in North Carolina. Um, We had 11 teams going from Swain County in the mountains to New Hanover County, Wilmington on the coast. Um, About 2009, 10, um, we dropped four teams. So now we're down to uh, seven. There's seven state USAR teams. Okay, so that's a task force. Uh, that's a task force. So we got seven task force teams in the state, kind of like last month we were uh, talking about regional response teams with hazmat. Same concept. Same concept. Under, Very yeah, similar, urban, yeah. yeah. Just urban search and rescue instead of hazmat, obviously. So when did uh, when did Fayetteville's team form? Uh, we started in 2004. Um, that was our first planning meetings. Um, we were really at the time, the chief then, um, we had to talk him into doing it because he, we had a commitment to the state with the RRT hazmat program, and he didn't think at the time that we had enough capabilities to perform two simultaneous missions. So we reached out to the county and a police department, and we kind of combined forces and, and made it happen. And uh, so... 2006 was our first call or deployment. Um, we had everything in place at 2006, so we've been gone ever since 2006. So, but 2004 is when we, we organized. You know, um, the emergency response world changed a lot in 2005 when Katrina hit um, Louisiana area, and that really showed that um, the state of North Carolina that they needed to organize urban search and rescue teams that can respond um, statewide and try to try to meet the needs. So Katrina in 2005 really changed everything, and that's what, what really made the push in 2006 for them to, f- to form up the 11 teams. Um, but like Chief Bauer said, since then they've, they've taken it down to seven teams, and Fayetteville hosts uh, Task Force 9, North Carolina Task Force 9. And you say 2004 is when it kind of got kicked off. That if everybody remembers, that was kind of the time frame of the Big Bang um, mm-hmm. annexation. So our uh, our fire, fire department grew exponentially 
from May, June of 2004 until July and beyond. And if yeah, I remember that, correct, it was after the yeah, annexation. That's where we got the people. That's where we got the, the boots on the ground. So that's when the, the fire chief said, yeah, we can we can do it. Right. So, right. That makes sense. It all ties in, right? Yeah. yeah it all comes together. So tell me about the make tell me about the makeup of the team. You know, how many members do we got different, you know, specialties, so to speak. I know, you know, diff, different disciplines or is everybody cross trained? How how are these teams made up? So our um every team is task force is made up a little bit differently. Our team is actually a combined team where we have three different agencies involved. Fayetteville Fire Department is the host agency and we have the majority of, of the personnel. We also house all the equipment. Um, joining us in 2004, 2005, Fayetteville Police Department come in on it. And they brought more people because that was one of the things is being able to have enough people to support Fayetteville, but also be able to leave Fayetteville and, and help the state. So our police department got involved. We're actually the only task force in North Carolina that has law enforcement on it. Um, and then also uh, Cape Fear Valley EMS, we partnered up with them to bring in to bring in the uh, medical side of things. So those three agencies have been been working um, together in Task Force 9. Right now, there's like 58 members total um, that make up the team. Majority of them are from the fire department, um, They're but they all have to get the baseline training, which is North Carolina Technical Rescuer certifications, and then they go to a USAR school for structural collapse, which is held in Charlotte, and that's kind of the baseline of it. Within our team, though, there's um, all different types of jobs. So the team itself is um, managed by a program manager. That's myself. Um, then within that team, there's task force leaders. Chief Bowers is one of them who are tasked with kind of leading on the deployments. Um, then underneath them, there's there's different levels of supervision and specialties. There's people that specialize um, just strictly in, in doing some type of technical search. So if a building falls down, they're trained on how to use camera systems and listening systems to locate victims. Um, there's some that are trained specifically in lifting heavy objects, working with cranes to move debris. Um, there are some that are very specific just to, um, because we're talking about USAR, that's an all-hazards environment. So that means you have to be prepared for pretty much anything that occurs. Um, so we have people that are that are really just into the swift water, water rescue side of things, which is which is a big, big, big part of um, of our task force and our USAR responses. Again, post-Katrina, um, it was recognized that USAR teams needed to, to be well-versed and equipped in swift water rescue because of the urban environment and urban flooding, which was something they hadn't really dealt with prior to Katrina. And um, so we've, we've made a big push in that, and especially post-Hurricane Matthew in 2016. When Matthew come through, it really um, surprised the state of North Carolina because we hadn't had a hurricane that hit a, an urban area in a long time. And, um, and unfortunately, it comes straight in and hit Fayetteville. And um, it really it showed that, that the state needed to, to up the capabilities um, for swift water responses. We, um, we, we did very well internally. We managed to, to make, I think, over 1,000 rescues in 12 hours, um, utilizing wow. our equipment and our training, which was you know, pretty significant. But, um, and we also had, I mean, we had people from all around the country that came in to assist, but that was kind of later on in the event. But yeah, um, so swift water is really turned into the big part, the big uh, discipline within the USAR programs now. Right, and you know, you you look on the news and everything. Obviously, all the hurricanes come through. There's always devastating flooding, especially slow-moving hurricanes. But um, building collapses and things like that aren't as 
as uh, common, so to speak. Uh, mo most of your larger structures are, are built to withstand the winds and, and everything and not having complete building collapses and stuff like that. And as they continue to grow, the urban areas, they keep putting concrete down, your cities are getting bigger and bigger, that's creating um, these flooding events. You, you know, you can go back and look at the data, and it shows how rapidly the uh, the increase in f urbanized flooding events that are occurring over the last 20 years, they're, they're occurring faster um, just because there's, there's less green space for the water to go to, and there's more people being impacted as a result. So That water doesn't soak well into the concrete, does no. it? <laughs> no, no. So, you know, you got all these capabilities and stuff. I, I'm sure there's a, a significant amount of training and certifications that get involved with this. So, yeah, yeah there is um, just baseline, the uh, North Carolina Technical Rescuer Certifications, what we would call be the basic certifications. You're, you're looking at, you know, four to 500 hours of, of training to learn, um, you know, how to operate within uh, certain rescue environments, to learn basic techniques, and that's before you start getting into really specialized stuff. You know, our most common response that would fall into that category is vehicle accidents where someone is trapped in the vehicle. Um, that would be considered a baseline. But beyond that, um, you start getting into rope rescue and high-angle rescues, um, confined spaces, people going into sewers or storm drains, um, trench collapse um, unfortunately those occur quite frequently as well um, and then the, the structural collapse in water so yeah there's there's a lot of training to get certified but there's a whole lot more to keep it because you have to stay on top of that stuff and keep those skills fresh and, and that's a lot to stay on and, and going way back when uh, when i was on a hazmat team i think it was one week for confined space and one week for trench and it was just run through the community college. I understand now that this is actually a state certification that they've made out of these different uh, um, capabilities. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're, you know, trench, you know, you, now it's, what, 40, 40, 60 hours, something like that. And and then the, the water side of it, because it has grown so much, there's, there's boat operator classes beyond basic water rescue. Then you get into boat operator classes. Um, and then you get into team leader classes on how to, to, to manage, to manage it all. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of training. Um, we're fortunate in the fact that we have some good um, places to train around here. Um, we've, got, we've got good facilities to train at, um, and hopefully that just continues to get better and better also. And you bring up facilities, um, not to get off point, but uh, Fayetteville Tech, in, in conjunction with the Urban Search and Rescue Team, are building a, a – pretty significant swift water rescue yeah, swift training water. facility yeah. yeah yeah so they're building an indoor swift water facility to be the only one on this part of the east coast there's only a handful of them around the state or around the country and uh, once it gets complete it's going to be it's going to be really state-of-the-art for, for practice and for training um, because that's the one thing that's hard to simulate is swift water if you got to have some place where the water's moving to really do it and there's only certain places in in north carolina you can go to most of them being in the western part up in the mountains so this will give the opportunity to be able to train in that swift water, but do it so in a, you know, a semi-safe environment. So, very cool, very cool. So we're talking about what, what are your most frequent types? So we'll get off USAR and deployments. We know a lot of that swift water rescue post hurricane or other um, significant events, tornadoes and whatnot. But just you know, here in town, day in and out, what's the most frequent types of technical rescue calls that you get? Automobile accidents, extrication would be subjects pinned in that sort of thing overturned vehicles and then 
I would say water after that. Or, be, or people that, you know, um, rope rescues, low angle, rope. or you know, yeah. not like, not necessarily in a high angle environment, but um, subjects that fall down into, you know, cliffs or canyons or ditches, areas like that. You have to use a rope system to get them back up. Those, those are fairly frequent as well. And, and just tell us, you know, for our listeners, what's, we're talking about high angle versus low angle. What, tell, talk about differences between them. Low angle is, um, I call them slopey backs. So uh, if you're driving down 295 and you run off the side of the road, that slope that, that goes down, it's usually between uh, 50 degrees, 60 degrees, um, back to about 30 degrees, somewhere in there. And then anything past 60 is considered high, high angle rescue. So if you put your thumb out, in an L, you can kind of, that's 45 and 90 and zero and, and all that. You can count them off. But uh, a high angle would be the, the dogwood, the 10-story dogwood building. That would definitely be a high angle rescue. It's straight vertical drops. Um, we can usually walk up a slope. So it's just the ropes that we deploy are more for safety than anything in patient safety um, versus if it's going down the side of the dogwood or the old Wachovia building, that's life or death. So you're getting up in the air there. You're getting up in the air there. So that's the, that's the basic differences. And, and like you said, our bread and butter, right? Everybody lives in Fayetteville. And I was, uh, it can be a sunny afternoon and we'll get vehicle accidents. Oh, yeah, but. yeah. About 140 of them a, a month. 140 accidents a month. Wow. Yeah, that we get called to. And and when we're talking about uh, extrication and, and stuff and vehicle accidents, obviously we're talking about high high mechanism of injury, high impacts, which a lot of our corridors are 45, mm-hmm. which means 55, 60. Yeah. A lot of motorcycle accidents occur in the city. Yeah. So, you know, with, with the accidents we talked about USAR, do you just deploy out of one station on, on the technical rescues within the city? You just have one fire station, one team, one USAR team, one technical rescue team, or how is it? Yeah, we get, we get called by the state, usually as a Type 3 USAR team, which is we commit about 35 people downrange. Um, we can get called as a swift water team. Um, we usually roll out of here as an all hazards. So our last deployment was to Haywood County uh, back in September, and it was for raining slash possible mudslides. So we took our water assets and we took our USAR assets because the county that we went to serve was worried about the week before they had a lot of rain, so all their soil was, was ready to go, so it didn't take much. So they were worried about mudslides and and houses so we we went up there as an all hazards uh team okay but within uh within the city of Fayetteville on an everyday basis we have two heavy rescue companies that are staffed one is at station 14 across from Fayetteville State and the other one is at station 11 out near Lake Rim and um for anything that's within the city that that's where we pull from so depending on the the size and complexity of the event and maybe one of those heavy rescues go along with other fire units or may bring them both together, you know, in the case of a, of a trench rescue or something like that. Okay. So that's a frequent call. Let's talk about some crazy calls. 
So USAR-wise, it was probably one of our first calls. We went to Pimlico County, and all the power was out in the county. And if you know, Pimlico was about as rural as you can get in North Carolina, and it was on the coast. We set up our base of operations, and we turned our generators on, and it lit up this big area. And it was like Field of Dreams, where people were literally walking out of the the pine trees and walking towards the light and it, it was it was the crazy it was it was just a crazy situation to see all those people and they needed help they needed you know medical attention and they just needed a lot of information you know like hey my house is gone where do i go get help um but it was just something when when we flipped the switch on and it was like flies being drawn <laughs> to the light and uh, so that that was kind of a crazy call. So, um, and 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 I could relate to that because uh, I was working what a dozen or so years ago when we had the tornadoes come yeah. through town. That and, that was a crazy that, call. I we, mean that that was that was something. We, we were one of the second uh, engine companies on Yakin Road, and I just remember pulling up and everybody was just yeah walking, walking out, out of the, the neighborhoods, yeah, looking yeah. like zombies, kind of like what what yeah. just happened on the Riley Road because yeah. that's that's all they knew was yeah. to come to yeah. Riley Road, yeah, or Yakin Road and that other yeah. side too. The other side, just, yeah. yeah. What happened? Mm-hmm. So what about difficult? I know all the aspects of of USAR and technical rescue. That's why it's technical or difficult. But what are some of the real or one particular or a few particular calls that really stand out as tested all your ability and, and all your knowledge and uh we were we were deployed to Bertie County in the town of Windsor and um, we got there about two o'clock in the morning and I was met by the the county the chairman of the county commissioners and boy I'm sure I'm so glad you're here blah 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 that sort of thing and he took me in and showed me a map, and he pointed, and he said, I need the entire downtown of Windsor, the town of Windsor, to evacuate it. And we showed up with, it was actually not a USAR deployment for us. It was a water rescue deployment. So all we had was our water stuff. We didn't have any USAR stuff. And, um, and we didn't have the right amount of people. So when we got there and we did our assessment, um, that involved um, evacuating a nursing facility that was very challenging. Um, but it kind of took us back because we were kind of understaffed. And uh, it took a while to get resources and, you know, government you right. know, help. And then, okay, we got you. And then it, it just took a, a long time to get spun up. And you have a lot of people looking at you for help. You know, like, hey, we called you to do something, do something. And now we don't have the, the resources here to do it. And it's kind of hard to tell people that. But uh, but we got a lot of kudos for that. So a lot of um, county commissioners writing letters and the the mayor of Windsor, you know, wrote a, wrote a nice that a boy to, to our mayor, you know, thanking us for, for resources and assistance and all that. So... What we do around the state goes a long way because it's we have Fayetteville, Cumberland County splattered all over our equipment, so they know who's coming to help them. So, but that was that was a call that that was probably our most difficult call as far as 
resources and knowledge and and when you when you're tasked to evacuate the whole downtown of a of a small town it was about 200 people that we had to get across swift water so that was the other thing yeah because that town was kind of cut off wasn't yeah, it, it, it was it was it was absolutely cut off and those people had no nowhere to go we had to go get them or they would have they could have got up on the roofs but they would have been in bad shape wow. so chief anything i think probably the two most taxing as, as far as events that we've seen um is has been the her or the tornadoes of 2011 just because of how widespread the damage was um and how you know how we had to pull all the resources from the fire department together we had to pull all, you know call back all our usar teams in but then also we weren't able to get much help from outside because it was um, they were dealing with tornadoes all over. It wasn't just our community. Um, so that really, you know, was a multi-day event, but that really probably taxed uh, taxed us um, yeah, about at, as far as the, we can. At the beginning, we didn't, we didn't realize the magnitude of it. So from a USAR standpoint, we got calls from the state because Charlotte was coming. Um, Charlotte Fire Department Task Force 3 was coming to help us, and we got a phone call from the state, and um, – they needed to go to Sanford. So we didn't know the magnitude at that time of of that tornado. And so we said, yeah, sure, go ahead. And that was the wrong call on our part. Because there was, there was parts of the city that needed help and we couldn't get help to. Yeah, and that, and that was a challenge. I mean, I was working that day and yeah. even before we were able to get all the, the equipment in and, and, and your team in place, um, just in the companies and truck companies just trying to go house to house and yeah you know obviously very limited because when it comes to a lot of structural collapse which there was a lot of structural collapse or oh, yeah. very limited yeah. on the operation side of what they could do so yeah that was also a challenging day and probably the other big one would be hurricane matthew, matthew yeah. just because of the widespread flooding um it cut off the city in a lot of areas it, it isolated some spots that were, were almost like islands within the city um, and then the, the, the widespread damage down to even, you know, it, it took out the water system uh, in, Fay- in parts of Fayetteville where there was no municipal water service. And, um, you know, and, and the days following, you know, unfortunately, there were some fires that created, you know, issues because you just didn't have water. So, yeah, um, Matthew was the other one. And, and how fast it happens. Now, the flip side to, like, Matthew events is their flash flooding events. So they, 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 they spin up very quick, but they go away very quick, too. So. Yeah, and I think if I remember correctly, what added to Matthew was one week prior mm-hmm. we had a yeah, we very had a, significant uh, rainfall overnight that night that had already washed out some bridges and roads and and already saturated everything. So what about so we talked about a few deployments out to the mountains, Berkeley County, but how about out of state or other big deployments as a task force? So we've had had one out of state deployment that I can remember, and that was Hurricane Harvey. Um, and that was kind of a joint deployment where the different USAR teams throughout North Carolina come together and went to uh, Texas to assist them with Hurricane Harvey. Um, that was 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only out-of-state one that I can remember. Um, the out of, going out-of-state is a little bit different than in-state responses. So out-of-state responses into the federal system has a whole different, different type of system. It doesn't happen often. Yeah, and it, it takes the governor to sign off on that 
to for us to leave the state because at the time another hurricane was was sort of kind of coming our way so really the governor rolled the dice and let us go and he we sent uh, about 120 people down there so it was it was every task force had representation down there so so when you say every task force for all, all seven okay all yeah. seven from uh, the state of, yeah of some it could have been 20 people to 50 people so we had representation from every task force down there and this all works through state emergency management or works up through yeah. fema and kind of we talk about state task force but there's also like national nationally a task yeah. force organization that works yeah so the yeah the a state will request uh, uh what we call an emac and that's just a basically a bidding process and north carolina says hey we can send x amount of people for x amount of dollars and the other state says okay that's good send them so that's how that works very good very good well gentlemen i i appreciate you coming on the show today and, yeah. and talking about that and uh good luck to you in the future and we'll hope to have, have you. you back all right all right well, glad to be here. thank you our safety tip this month is fireworks safety as we go into the 4th of July weekend coming up, I want you to know more than 9,000 people nationwide were treated for firework-related injuries in the last year, most of them occurring during the 4th of July weekend. Children under the age of 5 account for more than half of the estimated injuries. A lot of this is attributed to handheld sparklers. Did you know they have temperatures of 1,200 to 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit? Too much heat for a child to be holding. Most of your emergency room injuries also had the other half have to do with extremities, hands, fingers, or legs, pieces missing. North Carolina state law says exploding and projectile type fireworks are illegal in North Carolina. So we ask you this uh, 4th of July weekend to leave it to the experts. Go out and watch the fireworks show and enjoy. Thank you for joining us on the Fayetteville Fire Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to Radio Fayetteville on your favorite streaming platform to listen to all our podcasts. Next time, we're going to talk about recruitment and retention. Until then, be safe.